This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood-Hessian. I have a gift for you today. Isn't it actually almost more fun to give gifts than it is to receive them? Well, maybe not always, but today I have a gift that comes from the content in A Thousand Thriving Women which is an experience, an online community that I created for women to spend a year looking at the difference between striving and thriving in life and career. And it's aimed at navigating uncertainty, knowing yourself well, your unique gifts, talents, and abilities, and then being able to have really meaningful connection. And then how does that play out in our career How do we build our own badass women's council for ourselves and our local community? Y'all, it is a year's worth of rich content. And we are currently covering creating the conditions to thrive. And if you've been around here very long, you know that I have connected my work as a coach with my business partner, Eliza Kingsford, who is a neuro nerd, a neuroscience expert. And she largely works in the space of body image and health and weight loss. But the science behind the nervous system applies to anything that you want to create change in your life or how you want your life to feel. And so what I love about the gift that I'm going to give to you today is it aligns perfectly with what our nervous system needs. So our nervous system is always reading the environment and asking, am I safe? Is it okay? Am I in a good place? And the three ways that that's broken down is how do we feel in our bodies? Do I feel okay here? Am I experiencing stress? Am I experiencing fight flight? Am I experiencing shutdown? Am I safely still? Like, how do I feel in my body? And then How do I feel in the environment that I'm in? And how do I feel around others? So when people get together, our nervous systems are talking to each other without even using words, just through vibrations and energy. And so the gift I'm giving you today is one of the videos, one of the training videos, if you will, from A Thousand Thriving Women, where I ask you to consider how you're creating your conditions to thrive. And it's in those same categories. What do you need? What's the environment that you need for the work that you're trying to do or the life that you're trying to live? And how are you choosing the relationships, whether it's your boss or your colleagues, the people that you surround yourself with? And I found this content to be so powerful and helpful, even just as a standalone session, that as I was recording it and putting it out to the group, I thought, you know what? It's time to give the podcast listeners a gift. So that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to plop this video into the episode audio for you that listen that way. And what I hope is that you'll Pause and ask yourself these questions. 
and really use this as a bit of a work session for yourself. And if you are so inspired that you think, oh, dang, this was good, then sign up for a thousand thriving women and allow yourself the opportunity to become intensely self-aware through these reflection questions and these little bite-sized video teaches that I have for you. So the content is broken down into a variety of topics, starting with the fundamentals of thriving. What's the difference between striving and thriving? What is our, the six things that our brain needs to thrive? How that relates to burnout? And what I call the real life balance, which is reflection and connection. Each month, there is a challenge that helps you apply what you've learned. The challenge in month one is keeping a commitment to yourself, which is interesting. It sounds so simple, but we've been accustomed to serving others so much that keeping the commitments to ourselves is often the biggest challenge, the hardest thing. There's content around swimming the sea of uncertainty and how to use our instincts and what I call our internal thrive guide to navigate uncertainty. Because every every new opportunity that we have or that we want puts us in a place of uncertainty. It means we've never been there before. And so understanding how to navigate uncertainty, what's happening in your brain is a key to growth. And of course, we deal with the popularly named imposter syndrome and learn how to flip the script on that inner critic voice that I tend to call the little bitch in our head into one of more of an inner thrive guide badass narrative that we can use to lead us and guide us through uncertainty so that we can grow, prosper, and flourish. And one of the places in A Thousand Thriving Women that the women have struggled with the most is a concept I call falling in love with your story, which is how we become badass, is to be intensely self-aware. And learning to observe yourself and your behaviors and asking yourself why and really studying the patterns of your past just isn't something that people taught us how to do. It's just not something that's shown up in any classes that we've taken. It's a new behavior. It's a new way to see the world. It's a new way to see growth and achievement. And so that's an area that created a lot of rich discussion in our group session. So each month we meet twice online to talk about the content and how it's going and to celebrate our successes. And I love the vulnerability. I love the how people are honoring each other in the sessions. So some people are really chatty and active and some people just want to show up and listen and be a part, but not be forced to be someone they're not. And so we do a really nice job, everybody in the group there, of just honoring each other's uniqueness. And I can confidently say it is a beautifully safe space to do this type of reflection work because it's hard to do this on your own without the accountability of showing up and knowing that others are on this journey with you and want you to succeed and just the feeling of camaraderie that is born in those sessions is inspiring people to keep going and keep showing up, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
So in this gifted to you session is creating our best conditions to live and work and honoring that each of us is very unique in our style and our preferences and using a nature example because the word flourish, which is part of the definition of thrive, means when the stem of a flower reaches up towards the sun and its roots down through the soil, the idea of that is that the conditions matter. Just like if you're planting flowers or a garden, we need to create the conditions that that plants or flowers can thrive. We are no different as humans. And so it's up to us to create the conditions for us to thrive so that we can understand how to fuel love and joy and connection and creativity and what kind of leadership works best for us? What should we be seeking in the kind of role that we have and the kind of culture that we want to work in? We no longer show up to prove ourselves. Now we're looking for the conditions that we can thrive. And that's a choice that's up to us. All right. I hope you see this as the gift in which it is intended. Here we go. I'm excited to jump into this month's topic, which is creating the best conditions for your life and work. And before we launch into that, I want to connect the dots back to some things that we've already covered and show you how this fits. So when we looked at burnout, the two root causes of burnout are proving ourselves and working harder. What we're doing is flipping the script on that striving story and writing a thriving story, which is instead of proving ourselves, we're going to know ourselves, which is the work we did last month to fall in love with our story and really look back on our past, our present, and who we are, what we're good at, what are the things that are important to us or frustrate us, really tap into how we feel. And then we're going to flip the script on working harder. And instead, we're going to seek and create the conditions that we live and work best in. So instead of the striving way of life where we're looking for the answer out there and trying to prove ourselves to someone out there, the thriving lifestyle says, I'm going to know myself so I can create the life that I want. And this lifestyle of observing ourselves is a lifestyle. So it's not a check the box from last month and now we're going to move on to something else. We're going to continually be an observer of ourselves, which is why that being still and being reflective is so important to thriving. This is the life that we're living. Are we living well in it? Are we using our gifts and talents? And so I know last month was a bit challenging for many of you, and I can appreciate that. I, I, 100%. And so I don't want you to think that we're just moving on. We're continuing that observation, that reflection of who you are and who you are is tied to the conditions that you work best in. So as we launch into this today, just remember that becoming an observer 
of who you are and how you feel is the foundation of a thriving life. This would be a good time to go back to your personal story framework where you evaluated yourself in each of those six boxes and do it again. How are you doing? Has your score increased in any of those first three boxes since we began? Be loving and kind with yourself about it. This would be a good chance to just check in with yourself there. Because now we're moving into the next three boxes, which encompass more of the social construct of our lives, where we're living and working and interacting with others. And the first box there is psychological safety and creating the conditions that we live and work best in is again, our responsibility through reflection and connection. Reflection, we're gonna take a look at the conditions that we work best in, ask ourselves, am I in a good fit for me? Am I doing the things that I can do to schedule my day and put myself in an environment that is conducive to my best life and work? Am I working around the people that allow me to feel safe both at my best and also when I'm making mistakes? And so our confidence in who we are in knowing ourselves helps us then to be bold and confidently create the conditions that we work best in because we're not proving ourselves. We're setting ourselves up for our best thriving life. So maybe just take a moment and go back and look at that personal thrive framework, your personal story and see how you're doing. Okay, let's revisit the definition of thrive. It is to grow, prosper, and flourish. Flourish, the word actually comes from floral origins, as you can imagine. And it means when the stem of a flower reaches up towards the sun and its roots down through the soil. And so this is the definition that is the basis for this month's content to create the conditions that we live and work best in, because it's up to us to create those conditions for our growth. So when we think of nature, we think of flowers or a vegetable garden or crops, it needs to have the right soil, the right environment, the right nutrients. And so we are the same. And so we are going to look at three areas where we're going to create the conditions for our best life, where we can grow the best. Three areas. One is within ourselves, listening to our bodies, paying attention to what we need. And we go back to the first, actually two boxes in the personal story framework there. From a biological standpoint, our food, our hydration, how well we're putting in the right things. And then the second box is how, how well we are stewarding our stillness to make sure that we're getting our breath work, our gratitude, all the things that we've covered. So the first place is the conditions of our, creating the conditions within ourselves. 
second place that we're going to pay attention to how we create the conditions for our best life is in our relationships, the people that we choose to be around, number two. And that applies both our friends, our family, as well as our colleagues, our coworkers, our leaders, anybody that's in our lives that we have relationships with. The third area that we create the conditions is our environment, where we choose to live and work. And we'll get into some different aspects of that and how to use your environment to stimulate growth or to give us peace. But it's up to us to be aware and awake of how our environment impacts us and our ability to thrive. So that's where we're going next. Okay, I already summarized the three areas where we're going to create the conditions that we work best in. And the first one is us, our bodies, our brains, our nervous system. So our nervous system is what connects our brain, our spinal cord, our heart, our all the functions of our body are all connected through our nervous system. So you can do a little more study into the vagus nerve, which is the thing that does connect everything or just regulating your nervous system is a good place to invest some study and some understanding of how it all works because, and I learned most everything fundamentally about the nervous system from my business partner, Eliza Kingsford. I highly recommend that you follow her on Instagram or Facebook. She puts out some really good content about this. But the reason I like you to look into your nervous system is because the nervous system and the way it operates just is. It's the physiology of our selves. It's not about your opinion about things or right and wrong, the morality of things. Like when you look at health and wellness, it would be easy to look at it through the lens of well, what's the right way and what's the wrong way and almost being judgmental about who's doing what around health and wellness. The nervous system understanding it says, well, what's right for you? So we take responsibility for creating the conditions for ourselves. What works for me and what my body and my brain and my heart needs may not be what works for you. That's why there's no one size fits all for diets or exercise or yoga or meditation. Everybody is unique down to their fingerprints. So it's our responsibility for us to listen to our body and our emotions and what we need for ourselves and then to act on what we hear from our body. And so the daily stillness practice is meant to be daily regulating your cells and your nervous system, but also checking in with yourself. How do I feel? What do I need? And then responding accordingly. So the first place that we're going to create the conditions for our growth is for us to continue to be a great observer of ourselves and listening to how our body is always speaking to us. 
and respond to it. So again, not looking out there for the latest and greatest of health and wellness and what other people are doing, but to say, what do I need? And then making the right choice for us. The next place that we're going to create the conditions for a thriving life and career is our relationships with others. So we first talked about ourselves, and now we're going to talk about how we relate with others. And the first category that I want to talk about is family and friends. Now, their closest relationships sometimes can be our most challenging ones, right? If you're participating in this experience, it's because you care about growth. You want to thrive, to grow, prosper, and flourish. And so our immediate relationships have profound impact on our ability to grow, prosper, and flourish because they're the ones that are most in our garden. <laughs> We're using the flourishing description still when the stem of a flower reaches up to the sun and its roots down through the soil. So they're planted right next to us. And I want to talk about how our desire to grow sometimes doesn't jive with the people that are closest to us. And there's a variety of contributing factors. I'm not going to pretend to know what it is for you. I'm just going to introduce this as something for you to be aware of and give you some examples of how I have seen it play out. Family. Remember, we're, we're talking about connection versus control. So everything is rooted in how well we connect. Family has, we have past, we have history, we have expectations of how things have always been. Remember, your brain is always thinking same equals safe. And so when we start to change our behaviors in the name of growth, it can rattle uncertainty to our family members who are accustomed to us being the way we've always been. So that can start to create some friction, some uncertainty amongst those family members. And so I want to bring this to your attention because what I see happening sometimes, and I don't think this is going to happen for you. You wouldn't be investing this much time into this experience if you weren't willing to just do the things that are going to make this better for you. But what I have seen happen in others is as they start to grow and family members get rattled and uncertainty about our growth, that people will come back down out of growth and change to make sure that everybody else around them is still comfortable. That makes my heart sad <laughs> because what if your growth is what all of them need? And it was just, we're the strong ones are going to go first. And sometimes that helps everybody rise up, but we got to get through that first bit of discomfort that there feels like a disconnect. And sometimes the others don't want to rise up. And I don't want that to be 
what stunts your growth. Is it sad? Yes. Are there a gazillion emotions that go along with it? Yes. But again, there are other experiences that I've had with clients and friends and myself. When the one is willing to grow and change and evolve in a really beautiful way, can get through the discomfort, the vulnerability and uncertainty, then the others can start to say, you know what? I want to do some things for myself too to grow. This is not about you fixing everyone else. We are not fixers. We are connectors. We can influence through our own modeling and behavior, but it is not your job in this world to fix others. Love them, pray for them. But you taking care of you and modeling that leveling up to a new place of growth and opportunity for our kids, for our spouses, for our parents, for our sisters, for those that are closest to us. That's and, and, and I'm hesitating because these are little short vignettes, right? And this is a whole thing, but we can talk more about it in our group session. If you want to book someone on one time with me to think through and talk through, if this is a dynamic that you have, I would love to help you do that. But let's not stunt our own growth because it makes others uncomfortable. So with friends, similar, they're close. They're right here in our garden with us. Sometimes we need to make tough decisions in how much time we spend with those friends who aren't interested in our level up. We don't have to explain ourselves. We don't have to justify. So one story of a client who joined my first Rise and Thrive experience, which is a seven-month experience that I do with seven women. And one of the participants came to me really sad one day. And she said, when I signed up, one of my friends said, it sounds like you're spending money to buy friends. And she said, I know why this person said that because they're uncomfortable that I, it feels like I'm distancing myself from them because her friend group, while she very loves them, weren't as career-minded as she is. And so her desire to level up in her career and be promoted and ultimately become a CEO was threatening to her friend group who didn't want her to change. And so when she brought that to me, she said, it makes me really sad because I know where it comes from. She said, but if I don't do this, they're going to keep me stuck, which is true. And there were a couple of situations where she didn't see these friends as often for a while until they got more comfortable and realized that her changing and growing wasn't meant to hurt them. It was just to make her better. And so she was able to navigate that a bit and until they felt more comfortable with it. So boundaries are an area I'm going to address in another video because that plays out for family, friends, colleagues, clients, where we're going next. Okay. The next category of people that we are creating the conditions for our best life and career are still in the relationships. We're talking about clients and colleagues, the people that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And 
being aware of the kind of people that you connect best with is an important part of this observing self so that we can create the conditions that we work best in. And so just taking a little bit of an inventory of who are those people that you really like to work with, that you jive with? And that way, if at any time you need or want to make a change in your career, either within the company that you work for now or to maybe look at a new opportunity, you're being intentional about looking for opportunities where you can work with the kind of people that feel good to you. And so an example of that might be, I have had clients that say, you know what, I prefer to work in with people that are much more relaxed in their conversations and it's easy to relate to and talk to them. I have others who have said, you know what, I want to be around people that are just so intelligent that they challenge the way that I see the world. They challenge my thinking. Those are very different scenarios. One is not right or wrong. Again, we're not talking about right or wrong. We're talking about what's right for you. What are the conditions that's right for you? So asking yourself, if you're in an environment now with your work where you feel like you really are kind of jiving with the people that you work with and the people that you serve, maybe from a client or customer perspective, just being awake and being aware to the impact that that has on your life. Because if you think about, you go to work, every day or interact pretty much every day with these people. And so you want to make sure it's a good fit. And if it's not, that might be an opportunity for you to ask yourself, do I need to make a change either in within my company or outside my company? I had a conversation with someone just last weekend where she was talking about her work and she said, I, I love the guys that I serve. She schedules people to go out and do various kinds of repairs in residential. She said, I love the guys that I schedule for. They're just good people. And I enjoy having conversations with them. And I like to serve them. And she said, I like my boss, my leader, my manager. We drive pretty good. And she said, you know what? There's a lady in the office that just grinds my gears. <laughs> and this person is negative. She's hard to work with. She purposefully makes it hard for this person to get their job done. And it is dramatically impacting this person's nervous system and her well being and how she goes home at night and how she feels about her work. And she's tried to have conversations with this person and with her boss. And it's, just not happening. It's not working. And she's considering a job change because it has such a dramatic impact on her life. That happens. But the first place you want to go is how can I form a better relationship with this person? So if there is a situation where you've got kind of a uh -uh with some people that you're working with, go in and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them first. Just say, you know what? I really care about our relationship and how we work well together. I want to get to know you. 
So go in not with, I'm here to fix you, or I'm here to fix this relationship. You go in with, I'm here to know you and ask questions and be curious about who this person is and their uniqueness down to their fingerprints. Because sometimes just having that conversation is enough to open up new lines of communication in a beautiful way. So go in curious. Hey, I just want to learn more about you. I We work together every day and I just thought maybe we could go to lunch and see how we can help each other. Could be a way to do it. If you try that, things don't work and you need to go to a manager or a leader. Again, you're not going in to fix. You're going in about connection. So you're not going in with, this person is a, you're going in saying, hey, I really want to have a better working relationship so that we can better serve our customers and our clients and work better together. And I'm struggling. What advice could you give me and how I might work better with this person? Connection, not control. We're not fixing people. We're working on our connections. Again, if you have specific situations, you want to schedule some coaching time with me to work through some of those just on a one-off deal. We've got the link there that you can pay and schedule that time with me. And I would love to help you with that. Okay. Next up, we're going to talk about the leader, manager, the boss. So that relationship has a significant impact on our life and our work. And so I want you to spend some time asking yourself, what's the best case scenario? What, what type of leader do I work best with? Separate from the one you have now, just ask yourself that question. Maybe go back to past relationships, past places that you worked, and just ask yourself that question. What's the type of communication that I prefer? How often would I like to check in with my boss? How much autonomy do I need in my decision-making? Would I prefer someone that checks in on me on a regular basis to see if I'm okay? Or would I prefer someone that just gives me general instructions and trusts me to do the work? Again, there's no right or wrong answer. There's what's right for you. So asking yourself, what is the best case scenario for you? And jotting some of those things down. What are some of these experiences you've had in the past that went really well? And maybe as a comparison, what are those ones that just were awful and why were they awful? And then creating like, this is my best case scenario of the frequency of communication, how I like to be communicating, how much direction I want versus autonomy, all of those things. And then look at your current situation and say, here's some places that I think this could be better. And then scheduling a time to meet with your manager or your leader and saying, you know, I was just thinking about my career and the things that are important to me. And I was wondering if we could have a conversation and and look at how our communication is working and get your opinions and feedback. And I have some things that I think would make things better for us, better for the company. I wanted to chat with you about those. And so maybe your ask might be, would it be possible for us to have a weekly one-on-one meeting to talk about these three things? So go with a recommendation, go with an ask. Don't just go with a, I want our relationship to be better. or I want us to have better communication be more specific and intentional about what you want that to be and why that matters to you and have 
kind of an outline that you two can build off of together. So again, we're responsible for creating the conditions that we work best in. Now, if you do that and you're just not getting what you need, that may be a situation where you think I may want to look at some other opportunities within my company or outside of my company so that I can continue to grow by working with a manager or a leader that seems or that is a best match for me. When I'm helping clients find new career opportunities or make a career shift, this is one of the things that we do. We make a list of the conditions that we work best in, the kind of people we want to work with every day, colleagues, clients, and the type of leader that we work best in. And then as they're vetting opportunities and job offers, they're comparing what is how is this job structured and how does it match with the conditions that I work best in. Next up, we're going to talk about your environment. And again, we're all very different. So there's not a universally true answer to the best environment for work. And so it's important for us to think about the kind of work that we do and where we work best, especially now that there is far more flexibility in whether we work from home or in an office or a hybrid of both. So spend some time asking yourself, what's the ideal conditions for you in that regard? Is it to work remotely from home and have flexibility? Or is it that you prefer to be in and around people to work in an office or a mix of both? And then look to create those conditions for yourself. There's also some thought that can be put into what are the kind of tasks that I'm doing and where do I do them best? And so for me, I have been a work from home person even before 2020. I have worked from home for 35 years, probably before it was a thing. And so I became really intent on where in my house I was able to get my best work done based on what tasks. So an example for me is if you see me recording, I'm usually in my office. That's This is where my stuff is set up. It's easy for me to just plug and play and go. If I'm going to be creating new content, I have a large table in my kitchen table that I clear completely off and I put literally pieces of printer paper, just blank printer paper across that entire table. And as I get ideas, I put them on each of the pieces of paper and I can move them around and arrange content. That's something that I created that I came up with that is my environment stimulates my creativity. So my brain now knows if we go to the kitchen table, we're creating something. And so that environmental shift tells my brain we're doing something different. Here is where I typically do recording or coaching calls. But if we go into the kitchen, my brain knows that environment is different and we're doing a different task. And I've created that for myself. There is also some studies that say that we increase productivity when we go to a coffee shop not just because of the stimulation from the noise, the ambient noise, that part of the environment, but also there is some research that's been done that concentration and productivity is actually contagious. And then when we go to a coffee shop where other people are working and being productive, it puts us into that mode. 
if it's too quiet, sometimes people can't work. If there's too much noise, sometimes it's distracting for people, but everyone is different. And so it's up to us to spend some time asking ourselves, what's the environment that's best for me? Now, when it comes to your home environment, there is science that says that a clutter-free home, not perfect, not immaculately clean, but the less clutter that exists, the more our nervous system can quiet and be more calm. And so maybe it's an opportunity for you to create at least a space in your house that is a calm space for you. That's something that I've been very diligent about in my life, especially in times of my life that were full of disruption and challenges, like during the time of my divorce, it was really important that I had a couple of spaces in my home that were relaxing to me. My bedroom was one. I always made sure it was free of clutter that when I went there, my body knew this is where we're going to relax. I also would set up, I think bathing <laughs> bubble baths are the most amazing thing. Some people hate them. So again, we're all unique down our fingerprints. I set up a very beautiful environment with all the tools for great bubble baths, especially during my divorce. And that was a bit of a uh, refuge for me and for my brain to go, okay, while we're here for 20 minutes, we're just going to be. And so you can create spaces for yourself, environments for yourself that do different things, whether it's the coffee shop to stimulate creativity and productivity or a calm, quiet space where you can go to pray and meditate and, and relax a bit. But everybody's different. And so you know what's best for you, but use your environment as a means to create conditions to thrive. One other thing I wanted to bring up, I, of course, love story. That's a big part of my brand, write your own story. <laughs> and so I love things that have a story. So I have things around my house that remind me of things that make me feel at home and safe and loved. One of the ones I wrote about in my book is... I have a antique piece of China. It's not worth much, I don't think, but it was my great grandmother's and it is just a little shallow bowl and I use it as a soap dish for a bar of ivory soap that sits on my bathroom counter. My grandmother always used ivory soap. So the smell of ivory soap and that antique dish gives me this sense of purpose and history of the strong women that raised me and loved me unconditionally. And just seeing that there on my bathroom counter first thing in the morning tells me a story about me. And so you can use things like that. Sometimes it's photographs or everybody's different, but your environment can be a, a catalyst for your best thriving life if we use it intentionally. So we can talk more about this in our monthly group session about maybe what some of your ways that you use environment for thriving. As we're creating the conditions that we live and work best in, what we're doing, we refer back to the personal story framework is we're starting to create psychological safety for ourselves. 
So when we go to work, safety isn't just about our physical safety. It is about our emotional well-being, how our nervous system stays regulated in our work environments, in our home environments. And this is fundamental to our ability to do great work. So I'm going to read to you a portion of my book, Write Your Own Story, about psychological safety. So safety at work isn't only about the handrail and the stairs and well-marked fire exits. The term psychological safety was really popularized by Amy Edmondson, who is a professor of leadership and management at Harvard. She had been studying this phenomenon for quite some time, and, and, and psychological safety has been studied since the 60s. But Edmondson found baffling data showing the highest performing teams weren't those with the least mistakes. They were the ones with the most mistakes. She dug deeper to discover that the high performance teams had created an environment where it was safe to pitch ideas and make mistakes. Originally, kindness was thought to be a key to high performing cultures, but kindness especially in a culture steeped in insincere compliments and being patronizing, keeps people from sharing mistakes or bad news. So we need a place where we can be ourselves in all of our life circumstances, the good times, the bad times, and especially at work where we are solving problems and creating new solutions the ability to be vulnerable and live in that sea of uncertainty as we're growing ourselves in the organization requires us to feel safe. And so we don't just leave it up to everyone else for us to feel safe. We create the conditions where we know we can thrive at life, in life and at work because we're all unique down to our fingerprints. So we want to make sure that we're creating the conditions that are best for us. Are you ready for the challenge for the month? Okay. So now you've spent time looking at what are the ideal conditions for you to thrive. Those being you taking care of you, your relationships, and the environment that you live and work in. So now that you know what the ideal is for you, Find one area that you can choose to start living in that ideal condition. So maybe it's you need to have a tough conversation with somebody that you love to create better conditions for your relationship, that you're going to commit to having that conversation. Maybe it's that you're going to commit to using coffee shop working for some of your projects and you're going to actually schedule it in and be intentional about it. Maybe it's that you're going to have a conversation with your boss that you need to meet on a more regular basis. I don't know what it is for you, but you do. So as you looked at your ideal conditions for thriving in all of these areas, what's something that you can commit to this month to make the shift to that ideal condition for you. All right. Love you, mean it.
Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all. Fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.